This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Listen to different people who have ideas that are different from your own. You can learn from that and you might even change your mind or work with that person in order to achieve something different. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. All right. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm super excited to be joined today by Stefana Peshko from Product Madness. You want to introduce yourself, Stefana? Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. Um, so I'm Stefana. I work at Product Madness for uh, close to two years now. Um, I work in UA and I do a little bit of retargeting. Uh, most of my channels are um, self-approaching networks like Facebook and Reddit. Um, so before that, I used to work um, in an agency. So I had a lot of cha- a lot of different um, verticals to look after. Um, and it's nice to be solely focused on gaming now, which I do quite enjoy. Um, and before that, I used to work um, mostly in branding for um, big brands um, like Marriott and other hotel chains. Wow, big shift over from Marriott to Heart of Vegas and, and the world of gaming. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I agree. Gaming's more fun. Um, yeah. I got to go straight to because you you mentioned, you know, when we talk about self-attributing networks, I don't think Reddit is the first one on everyone's mind. So, I mean, I I would love to hear a little bit more about how UA strategy goes on the Reddit side and what how you've seen success there. Yeah, of course. So um, for me personally, testing is very important and testing different channels is also important. A lot of us go straight to Facebook, Google, and that obviously makes sense. The scale, um, all the past learnings that they have, the algorithm is well-tuned. But just like um, with TikTok, where most advertisers didn't see a lot of sense and we scaled so high, we are um, the top uh, gaming advertiser on TikTok right now. Um, There is also, uh, might not be the top, but there is also promise on Reddit. And again, not every channel um, is there for same users, for same quality of users or for the same strategy. Um, So for instance, on Reddit, we found that it's possible for us to use that as a brand awareness platform. Um, So there are a lot of other options, not just auction on Reddit. We've seen great success uh, with takeovers, the category takeovers and trending takeovers. Um, And I'm giving here a big shout out to the Reddit team who were wonderful. Um, We also had um, a TV activity at the same time for two of our apps. And this really helped us um, to tie this in together with the brand activity and support the TV activity that way. Um, So the takeovers really helped us, um, not just with paid activity that uh, obviously lowered our cost overall on the auction, but it also helped us increase our organic presence that was already influenced by TV. Um, So in terms of brand awareness, download intent, and all those different points that we got 
um, on the brand side uh, from the TV activity and from the Reddit that was done simultaneously. And the studies that Reddit helped us work with Kantar on um, obviously helped us a lot to understand what kind of users we're bringing? Um, are those users the same users? Are there different type of users? What kind of value do those users bring? Um, so that was the approach that we found on Reddit. Um, I'm sure there are a multitude of other approaches you can also find. Um, so it just shows you that it's not necessarily that every channel is simply revenue-based. Um, there are other things that each channel can contribute towards your marketing mix. I think that's super important. I have like so many things I want to follow up on here, but first let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about the the goals because I think it's a good point with Reddit. I mean, we've heard it with TikTok and and even YouTube that if you're measuring it by, you know, click to install or, or any kind of download activity, you probably won't see the same cost effectivity that you might see elsewhere. But you do have this branding effect. So how do you kind of create the right KPIs? How do you create a measurement structure to understand what your performance should be and if you're hitting those goals. Yeah, sure. So uh, while we were doing the TV activity, we had a specific data science um, team that was working specifically on measuring how our TV activity was doing. Alongside that, Reddit was um, helping us work alongside Kantar, uh, which has their own uh, point-based system on how they attribute the increase in your awareness, in your top funnel metrics, um, in your um, intent to download, and also helps you see which users from which other genres are interested and what kind of users those are supposed to be. Because for us, Reddit was the platform, well, the channel that we used um, just to get new types of audiences because we have an established audience. Uh, a lot of our apps are already a few years old and uh, they have their own basis. So we know where to go for the high value users that we usually buy from tier one countries. So Reddit was for us a way to find new types of users that are not based on lookalike audiences that we normally use on our biggest channel, for instances, because, um, and we know now with the uh, iOS, that is uh, a bit difficult. Um, so just like everyone else, we're attempting to find new pockets, um, maybe new geos, maybe new channels. I mean, I love I love turning to Reddit because I can tell you not not from the UA side, but when I'm doing research into a new industry or a new genre, or I'm trying to kind of get a sense of competition, I always go to Reddit threads. That's like one of my favorite <laughs> places to find what users are actually saying because it's such a huge community and especially for gamers everywhere. There's so much there. Um, I want to also follow up. You mentioned that you use this concept takeover. Can you describe that a little bit more? Yes, of course. Um, so we did two different types of takeovers that our Reddit team advised us on. Um, and that is also based um, on the spend that you are willing to commit to with Reddit. Um, so we used category takeovers, which are based on the best performing categories that we had in our auction. That's how we selected which categories we're going to in a way, own for 24 hours. So the only things, the only ads that they would see on those categories would be our ads um, for whole 24 hours. And then we also used the trending takeovers, which basically take over the main Reddit page, takeover page with different sorts of ads. And it can be your statics, your video ads, a mix of both. Um, and everyone who goes on the trending page, which is most of Reddit's users, will only see your ads. That's very, very cool. So it also sounds like the Reddit team really have a lot, uh, 
a lot of inside inside uh, info to give and kind of make it more effective. Um, you know, you mentioned that you had TV campaigns going, and I'm sure you had plenty of other efforts going on as well. Can you talk to me a bit about that that mix? You know, is it important to have that media mix? How do you kind of select which channels go together? Do they cannibalize each other? Um, I know you mentioned you had data science working on, you know, maybe the TV side. Do you find that it's you know, it's, it's, you're able to attribute different efforts or do you not look at it that way? And you look at it as kind of the overall push and its reaction, just any, any light you can shed there would be amazing. Yeah, of course. Um, and it is a bit of a complicated topic. We had a whole specific team, um, just working on a TV activity that was from the beginning with creatives, because they have to be very specific and it's really important what kind of creatives you use. Um, so it took a long time to finally find, um, and create a, a, something that will definitely work. Um, then there was a, a data science team that was only working on measuring the effect of the TV activity on the overall brand, on organic, on paid, um, and everything else that comes with it. Um, I don't know the details um, because I was mostly um, on the paid channel supporting the TV activity. Um, but what we do see from the paid side, um, you can compare how your KPIs, your uh, main metrics react to the TV activity. Sometimes you see the spike in your costs. Sometimes you see that you're getting more depositor or your depositor percentage has increasing or ARPU or PPU are going up. That combined with the effect that you can see on paid can give you an overall picture. Yeah, I think uh, I, I feel like every team that doesn't work directly with you know, the standard UA channels is so jealous of the amount of information that UA's, you know, data that UA's had until now. Um, but I do think it's worth, I mean, I feel like uh, this is what I've been talking about every day for a year now. But, you know, obviously UA has changed a lot in the last year, year and a half and and is continuing to change. You know, Google has, I mean, recently announced the changes with their custom store listings and and everything going on there. And they have the privacy sandbox that they're working on. How do you feel, um, you know, how do you feel the industry has changed already? Do you feel like there's further to go? You know, you as somebody who's been managing UA for such a heavy spender, how do you feel like things have changed? Oh, I, I don't know where to start. Everything's changed, to be fair. Um, just on the um, iOS side, I think it's important to never lose track of the fact that the auction is still there and people will still advertise on iOS. I know some companies after the um, Apple's changes in April last year pulled out of iOS auction altogether, which I don't believe was a great idea considering now that they've lost market share and it's incredibly hard to get back into the market. Obviously, costs have risen. Um, we have seen them come down after the initial first few months and after the implementation of the correct TV schema, whichever um, schema does work for you if you are on SRN or however you manage probabilistic, uh, if you're on DSPs or any other networks. Um, so <laughs> I don't even know where to start, to be fair. Um, if you have managed to find a TV schema that does work for you, um, and again, that is still ongoing, and I believe in the next year, year and a half, there will be something that works a lot better than what we currently have. I'm assuming, um, just like us, most of um, the advertisers base their CV schema on revenue or revenue plus engagement events. But there are also things like we tested, which is the predictive CV schema that isn't necessarily probably the best tune right now. Uh, but within 
Um, sometime, I know big advertisers like Facebook are looking to integrate that into their revenue-based schema. And I do think that will then definitely help crack whatever is left of our current iOS strategy if you do combine revenue and predictive uh, modeling. Um, with that, a lot of learnings that you have now in Android, you just have to transfer in iOS because your creative um, testing isn't best done on iOS at the moment. Um, a lot of those learnings, thankfully, are transferable. Um, and depending on how you do your creative testing, that can really help you a lot. Um, also, different channels have more presence on iOS versus Android. And that's just based on our um, free-to-play social casino um, genre. Um, so for instance, uh, a lot of the times you see that TikTok uh, works really good for iOS users, um, maybe just a little bit less for Android users. Um, so that helps you fine tune your strategy. Um, on top of that, I think working with partners that use automation or machine learning services um, can really help you. You can see that in the push from Facebook, for instance, in using AAAs. Um, that has been really fine-tuned and uses um, broad audiences, which helps you balance with the lookalikes that you're using in your normal campaigns um, to attract iOS users. Um, and what that is more or less uh, going to be the focus of um, advertising because you can see all the algorithms and how they're looking, how much prospects, events you're getting. So um, working with a machine learning partner will definitely help you save time, be more cost-effective, efficient, um, and get different learnings that you might not have gotten initially. For sure. I think other than the measurement side, which is I mean, if you haven't changed what you're doing in measurement, you're you're not optimizing because there there's nothing left that you could have possibly been doing the same. Do you look at kind of that even before you get to the measurement side at the creative journey at audiences? Are you looking at those any differently since these changes came into play? Uh, definitely. And that isn't necessarily to do with the changes that came into play. We just optimized our creative testing, which I'm actually very proud of because I think we have a wonderful system now that we um, use for creative testing. Um, we segmented into different phases and our data science team and our AA partner did help us find thresholds that we need to pass for each phase in order to move on to the next. So in the first phase, we test our upper funnel metrics, um, all the basics, you know, your CTRs, CVRs, IPMs, to see how many impressions you're getting, um, what's the number of installs you're getting for that. Obviously, um, CPI also comes into play. Um, and then whichever creatives are best on those metrics, we move to our lower funnel metrics um, test, which is what we all care about the most, um, the revenue-based metrics. So you look at your ROAS, your APU, your PPU, also your retention. And depending how you look at that, maybe day seven, day 30, whichever. Um, for creative testing, I would suggest shorter uh, term metrics. You don't want to test for too long. you got to optimize fast, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, we all have so many creatives and so many new concepts are hitting and competitors are doing such a, a great job on um, testing different types of creatives, not just uh, playables, but also tutorial style creatives, influencer creatives, meme style creatives. There are so many options right now. You need to test fast and you need to be optimized in your testing strategy. Um, and then we move on um, to our phase three, where we inject our best creatives based on those two phases into our BU. Very nice. I'd, I'd love to touch a little bit more about creative types, because I think that's one place where we've really started to see a lot of innovation, just that 
kind of a, how do we create, you know, in the absence of having maybe the lookalike audiences that we were used to or the targets that we use, that we're used to, we have creatives that we're using to, to speak to different people. Have anything super interesting that you've, uh, you know, maybe new formats, new, new ways of looking at that you've tried in the last year or so? Um, so we're trying to lean as much as we can um, into playables because I do think that's a wonderful way to get users to experience the app without actual commitment. And that's what most users are actually scared of. So um, totally understand um, your usual um, gameplay with rewards type ads uh, work best most of the time. Um, and we found out that those innovative ads are great to test and they really help with your upper, fun upper funnel metrics. But when it comes down to it, and this may be just because of the genre that we are in, your um, iterations of your best creatives are the most cost-efficient, effective creatives you can ever have. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be testing other types because we've seen a lot of success recently with influencer creatives or the TikTok style creatives, which work amazingly across um, Facebook, TikTok, um, you know, other networks. Um, so there is, there are definitely a lot of other things you can and should be doing because relying just on one creative, no matter how many times you iterate it, um, the algorithm still recognizes certain pieces of a creative and it will prioritize um, the longer standard creative over others. And you don't want that to happen um, to you. So test as much as you can. So you basically, you need kind of like your safety net over here and then you're testing over here and you never exactly. take this one out. You just have that little testing subgroup. Exactly. Because you want, you want balance in the end of the day, right? You want to have new creatives, but you also want to make sure you have the creatives that perform really well and you know they will perform. Sure. I think um, with social casino, I mean, it's true, obviously, of other game genres as well, but social casino, especially there's, there's that challenge of you know, excellent top of the funnel metrics that might even decrease your your metrics further down. How do you go through that process of really finding the quality users without losing the critical mass and without kind of, a, you know, the the platforms are still looking at who's who's downloading. So those metrics still matter. But how do you match that balance and not lose out on those on those whales, the high quality users in exchange for that, you know, free coin mass who are coming in for that side? Yeah, that's actually funny because um, whenever we look at our upper, upper funnel metrics, our CPRs, CPRs, um, some creatives perform really, really well, and then you don't really see them perform that well on your lower funnel metrics, um, which isn't normally what you would expect because if user clicks and installs, you would expect them to be interested. But uh, then again, there are other things that come into play um, from the product side of how they retain users um, and so on. Um, and one of the good things that you can do is work with your product. Um, so they can help you work um, through events, uh, particular events. Some are event, some are aimed at new users, some are at existing, some are at both. There are live ops. There are so many offers that you can get into your creatives. Um, and then the product team can also help you with a post-mortem analysis to see how it influenced which type of users um, and how you can capitalize on that. Another thing you can do is um, your partners, um, for us, Facebook um, at large, it's uh, they really have a lot of options and ways to sponsor you and help you. Recently, we did um, motivators testing. So we try to find uh, which motivator is the best to attract our users 
uh, we found that different types of users of different ages and gender and different values in the short and long term are attracted by different things within your app. Um, once you've done the test, you can do so many iterations um, in order uh, to use those motivators that worked best for you and then segment your users into different categories and use those creatives to you know, get the best type of users that you're looking for. I have to say, it seems like you're very on top of utilizing other teams and other departments. And really, it's something that that we don't see all the time because it's so easy to fall into your own KPIs and the things that you control and just focus on, on hammering that out. And it sounds like you've seen, which makes total sense, huge amount of success, not just working with your teams internally at other stages, but also working with, you know, the the teams outside who know their area and are and are willing to help. So that's awesome. And I'd love to go back to the the in-app event live ops side because you know, Live Ops is expanding now their beta, and I'm sure will be, you know, a, a, in a matter of time available all across the board. I mean, metrics have been really interesting. How do you, from the UA side, look at in-app events and Live Ops, and how do you kind of optimize from your side while still understanding that you're you're completely tied to the product team as well? Um, so for us, uh, most of the live ops and events are just utilized in creatives. Some of them run for short term and we dedicate specific campaigns for them um, just so we can get more new users into that specific um, user cycle and then they hopefully retain as well. Um, we do we did have a lot of um, event specific creatives and live ops specific creatives um, for all our apps um, and we tested how each of those events, um, works for our audience. Um, and then we found out that there's a specific time frame in which we need um, to run those creatives so we get enough learnings. Um, those creatives also do tend to be more expensive. Um, then you need to talk to product and understand if they're going to rerun the event, if there was a specific offer you can't use anymore. Um, so there's a lot of work back and forth between product and marketing in order um, to optimize um, the way that you do use what they have in the product. Um, the product also can help you running specific events um, that are potentially aimed more at new users, which you are trying to attract rather than their longstanding users, which they just want to capitalize more and more of. Um, so definitely uh, work with your product. They have a ton of events that can help you. Uh, not all of the events will work. Uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't test. I think uh, it's it's such a, even when events don't work, it's there's so much to gain, um, especially live ops. I mean, and they just released some numbers on the Google side. Got to take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, like just insane, you know, increase in day 28, increase in, in immediate downloads. There's so much potential there on every side that I think, you know, it's a new feature and not everyone has put it as part of their routine, but it's such a such a critical thing to start looking at and, and learning how to play around with. Um, you know, I, I, speaking of the connection between product and UA, um, when you look at an early, you know, a lot of your games are pretty longstanding, but when you look at earlier stages in an app's life cycle, um, which typically tend to fall entirely under the product domain, where do you feel that UA can come in and assist in the world of pre-launch, soft launch, you know, whatever you have going on there? Um, so I actually have worked on a soft launch not so long ago, um, and um, there are possibly other news coming uh, around about our other launches. Um, so soft launch was a really exciting time for me. It was going from um, 
advertising at a large scale and looking mostly at revenue metrics um, to looking mostly at retention in tier three markets um, and uh, basing your um, advertising spend on um, which countries your partners help you identify as the potentials for benchmarking your uh, day one, day seven retention, your longer term retention, and then moving on from that to something completely different and then looking at your monetization, uh, whether it's tier three or tier one um, markets, whichever you are um, trying to expand that. Um, but that was a lot more um, work with product than you do on your daily basis. And I think it's a good learning for probably every marketer um, or everyone who works in marketing or advertising space. Um, that helped, I think, the whole UA team establish more of a connection to product, which um, is a good thing long term. Um, again, the soft launch and uh, any other tests that you do afterwards are not um, entirely under UA control because uh, uh, the creatives, uh, the game economy, the um, user lifecycle, most of that is just decided by product and they have the specific APIs that they need to hit, um, whichever market you are in and specific benchmarks, but your partners can help you a lot with that. Um, for us, it was mostly looking at the basic metrics of uh, CPI and retention, uh, which is what you start with for a soft launch, but it was a really good and uh, interesting learning. Awesome. I think, yeah, with soft launch, sometimes, first of all, the KPIs are so dramatically different. You mentioned CPI, which maybe is a metric that doesn't usually matter, but when a product isn't fully baked, then... You know, you got to know where where is it you're bringing in the wrong user and where is it that the user doesn't have what they need, you know, which they will once the product is is developed a bit further. But I like that you said it's it's almost like a cheat to make sure product and uh, and UA work together because you have to when it's a soft launch. It's a it's a nice hack for co 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 teamwork bonding. Um, you know, I think we'll we'll go into the rapid fire round. Just one more question, uh, you know, from this side. What would you say is the next big thing coming up in the world of UA? So we've had the massive shift and we understand that there's privacy and changes in measurement. What's what's coming up? What's the next wave? Well, the most obvious one would probably be the different shift that um, Android is going to go through. Um, but there are a lot of things you can do to mitigate that. Um, whatever learnings you had from your iOS um, gains or pains, you can transfer to your potential learnings um, into what's coming up for Android. Um, in the meantime, I'd say definitely do a lot of testings on different channels, uh, creative testings. Um, don't forget machine learning, um, um, automation. That will all help you in the long run. Um, it's easier, cost effective. It just needs a bit of optimization in the beginning, and then you're, you're good to go. I, you also hit the nail on the head with that. There's that fear where you pull back spending and you pull back because you think it's changed and it's unknown. And you, you mentioned it before, but it's totally right. You put yourself at such a, first of all, you get lower bids because everyone else is chickening out. So then you have less competition, but you really, the, the loss that you have to make up for is so monumental. And realistically, you're not going to stop advertising forever now. It's not, it's just not something exactly. that's going to happen. So I think that's super, super important you know, whatever that wave is, is to be able to, to take that risk and say, I'm not going to be able to measure the way I did. And I'm not going to be able to do what I did, but I can't stop. I don't get to, you know, kind of retire or think about it and go back in because like such a disadvantage to start from there. Yeah. Okay. Ready for the rapid fire round? Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. You can stretch out, get ready. <laughs> First of all, 
If you could give just one tip to an aspiring uh, growth market, or what would it be? Oh, just one. Um, okay, listen to different people who have ideas that are different from your own. You can learn from that, um, and you might even, you know, change your mind or work with that person in order to achieve something different. Very nice. Your favorite mobile growth resource. Mm, mobile dev memo, probably. But I also do like eMarketer a lot. And I spend a lot of time on Sensor Tower and Marketing Week and Ad Week. I don't know if there are a lot of them. <laughs> it's good. But mobile dev memo, it's kind of the, it's the Bible, basically. Like, yes, the, that's what I hear from everyone, for sure. Definitely. Um, who is the person in the mobile industry that you'd most want to take for lunch and why? Okay, so if I had to take someone from marketing, I'd like to... Even just me, doesn't have to have lunch with me. Someone from Apple. I really want to know what and how they do their things. But if it didn't have to be a marketing person, um, I'd like to meet the creators of mobile games that I was obsessed with as a as a teen, uh, which were the Angry Birds and the um, Fruit Ninja. Those were so addictive. I've never played something for so long. Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja took up such a huge percent of my time when I was, uh, yeah. when I had no time to give to it. But like, wow, the most, that was my first, that was also my first mobile game that I really stuck with. That's a good answer. I know. I don't even remember the progression on that game, but I was just addicted to doing it. No, I just remember slicing. The slicing, yeah. that's all I remember. <laughs> Um, okay, the most important question, of course, is what is your favorite flavor pancake? Okay, so I have two. I recently tried um, baklava pancakes, and there was so what? much flavor there. I know. I couldn't finish the portion. It was extremely filling, but that's something I still think about over the weekends. If not that, I have a, a basic <laughs> pancake that I like um, with blueberries. Blueberries is a good choice, but I, this is, uh, we've asked a lot of people about pancakes and that is by far, I think the, the most unique type of pancake that I heard. Yeah. All right, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so much. Where can people find you if they just want to learn more or see what you're up to? Yeah, for sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I take it semi-regularly, um, so we can probably connect there. Amazing. Stefana, thank you so, so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.